I didn't have any like crazy lofty goals. It wasn't like I picked up the phone and I was like, Hey, so I was thinking about doing CrossFit. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Like it was literally like the furthest thing from my mind. Um, yeah. I, I thought when I started working with him that I was, all I wanted to do was just walk. I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to, to walk around in a store, to walk down to my mailbox. I wanted to be able to do these simple things without mm-hmm. my canes. And so that was the only goal that I had when mm-hmm. I started. Um, and it was one-on-one. It just happened to be in a CrossFit gym. And, uh, you know, as they say, you set foot in a CrossFit gym, things happen. <laughs> Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. This episode is one of a series of Pursuing Health stories. Here, I feature the inspiring stories of regular everyday people who've used lifestyle to overcome some incredible health challenges. And in this week's episode, I got to share a conversation with Athena Perez, who has a truly remarkable story of weight loss and transformation through CrossFit. I'd first heard of Athena after CrossFit produced a video telling her story in 2018, but more recently, I read her book, Lifting the Weight, which was truly incredible. And I also had the opportunity to meet her in person as she participated in a panel I hosted for CrossFit Health on Chronic Disease at the 2021 CrossFit Games. Athena is currently the owner of Scaled Nation CrossFit and an advocate for the inclusivity of obese and overweight athletes in the CrossFit community. She's a survivor of child abuse and subsequently has struggled with her relationship with food since the age of five. But with the help of CrossFit, she's lost over 225 pounds and reclaimed her confidence. I was particularly struck by Athena's resilience and her ability to overcome so much adversity. Her story really illustrates that obesity and weight loss are so much more than just too much food and not enough exercise. Athena has done the hard work to heal the underlying drivers that set the stage to make her sick and is now sharing her experience in a very real and candid way to help so many others. It was really incredible to be with her at the games and see and hear just how many people were deeply touched by her story. So I hope you enjoy hearing her story here as well. Before we dive into the episode, I do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. I recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. So with that, let's get to the episode. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I am so excited to be here with Athena Perez. I am honored to have you on the podcast. I have just recently been reading your book and you have an incredible journey, a story of transformation, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. And I'm excited just to dig in lots of parts that I think um, people are going to be able to relate to that are listening. And so thank you for taking the time and being willing to share your story in such a raw way. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, a lot of people in the CrossFit community probably first saw your story or heard of it when there was a video that CrossFit did on you that was about Mm -hmm. 10 minutes long. And, you know, maybe people might first hear your story and think, wow, you know, she lost so much weight. That's incredible. Um, But really the more you learn about your story and the more I'm reading your book, the weight loss is, was almost sort of like this last step in your healing. And there was so much more um, to your transformation. Yeah. Um, You've obviously been through a lot in your life from the time that you were very young um, that really laid the groundwork for what, you know, 
turned out to be sort of your physical body, but there was so much more underneath. So mm-hmm. can you just kind of give um, people listening a general overview of some of those things that you had gone through and how that affected um, affected you later in life? Mm-hmm. So I'd say that the, you know, every, every problem has a root, right? Like it kind of spreads out like this as you get older, mm-hmm. but um, mine was um, child abuse, physical, mm-hmm. mental child abuse. Um, food, interestingly enough for me was just, it was just, um, I don't know why I'll never know why food was such a thing with her. Um, but my abuser used food. So, or, or rather took it away. Mm Um, so I didn't get a whole lot of it and, um, it caused just a lot of, um, tendencies when you're so young that you don't, sometimes you just don't know how they start or where they get stored. But, um, you know, I was hoarding food at five, you know, trying to figure out how I was going to keep food hidden so that when I got hungry, I could find a place to you know, to have it. Mm-hmm. So there was just a lot of habits that started really young. And then um, after seven years, close to seven years, um, I moved in with my, my mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the, when the physical part of the child abuse stopped, um, it didn't mean that the, it didn't mean the things went away. It kind of just got worse. Um, you know, I don't know if it was just a, a time thing, you know, we're talking late eighties therapy for kids. Wasn't quite what it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that might've been somewhat of an afterthought counseling, much happened much, much later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was already, you know, well over 200 pounds by the time I turned 12, I'd only been with my mom a year and just the weight happened so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, after I moved in with her, cause I was eating all the time, you know, mm-hmm. you go from being starved for that long. And then suddenly you, you know, this kid has access to food. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Right. So, right. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so I was getting very, very heavy at such a young age because of it. And, um, you know, kids are mean, you know, I'd go to school and, um, you know, you get teased. And so you come home and you, I went to the first thing that, that gave me comfort. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was anything that I was thinking about. It just happened that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this vicious cycle starts, you go to school, you get teased, you come home, you eat, you put on weight, and then it starts all over again the next day and the next day and the next day. And, um, you know, I graduated high school at over 400 pounds. So, um, it just had a really crappy start. Um, so as I got older, um, you know, and the root of my problem was never really addressed. You just start life happens, you know, very life things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raped when I was 19 and then mm-hmm. um, went through some really bad circumstances a couple of years later. And then I miscarried my son and, Mm-hmm. Um, you, life just compounds. And when that problem, the very first that started it all, you know, was never dealt with, it was never healed. Um, it just created a snowball from there. Mm-hmm. A big snowball. And yeah, I know you, 
you wrote and you know you know like you just mentioned more things than many people can ever relate to you know having gone through at a young age and and through your life but um you know you wrote about in your book you would tried several times to lose weight mm -hmm. and that maybe not necessarily without first addressing that route. Um, and so you had done different diets or gotten fresh starts moving to a new city or even yeah. changing your name or doing things that, um, you know, you thought were, were going to help you get that fresh start that you needed. And can you talk about that process of, you know, just how frustrating it must've been to, to want to lose weight, but just not, um, you know, not even really probably being aware of what the root cause and how to address it. Um, yeah. I think I always knew how it started. I just mm -hmm. didn't understand um, why it kept happening. Um, you, um, it's very difficult to articulate, but you know, stuff gets stored, you know, in the back of your brain. Mm -hmm. And when something happens, um, it was something that was learned for me at so young that it wasn't something, it wasn't something, I don't even think it was conscious. It wasn't here. No, you know, it was wired. Like you said, you're, it, when you're yeah. that age, when you're so young, the patterns and the things that you're exposed to are just wired into yeah. who you, you know, they, are without you thinking about it. Right. You know, they say that, you know, as kids develop, right? They, they are who they're going to be by the time that they get to the age of 10. Mm -hmm. So if you have all these fickle things that you learned, um, yeah, they get put so far back here that you don't know how to, you don't know why you go to food. You don't know why that is your thing. You don't know mm -hmm. why. And, and, and a lot of times I don't remember eating. And that was, that was the really hard part is I didn't realize I was doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly I do now, but <laughs> mm -hmm. back then, like there was just no way to, I didn't know how yeah. to fix it. Yeah. And eventually, you know, you did come to a point where you started to work on, um, you know, fixing it or trying to figure out what, what it was and how to address it. Um, and that meant reaching out and asking for help and starting to work with a therapist. Yeah. Um, can you talk about what it was like for you just to even make that decision to reach out for help? Um, yeah, so. I knew that, I mean, I'd see patterns, you know, like, I think we all kind of have that come to, you know, where we understand that we're doing things. I, I clearly, I saw the numbers on the scale. I saw that they were continuing to climb. And I knew that I had a problem um, going to a therapist or kind of making that decision to, to get um, mental health counseling. It was probably the toughest thing that I ever had to do because mm -hmm. I thought by doing that, um, that I had to admit that, you know, like I was damaged, like mm -hmm. I was, there was something wrong with me that I couldn't get under control. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's something really devastating about that. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't able to do it on my own. Yeah. Yeah. That I needed medical intervention to, you know, help me rewire my brain. <laughs> you know? right. It's, it is sort of interesting. These, um, 
the sort of the constructs that we live with, whether it's in our society or whether it's the kind of stories that we tell ourselves about reaching out and asking for help um, and just, you know, wanting to or feeling like we did something wrong or we're there's something wrong with us or we're a mm-hmm. failure because we can't do it on our own. And mm-hmm. but but after we do, um, I don't know if you had this experience, but I know for me after I I got better about asking for help, um, you were like, well, why didn't I do this sooner? This is yeah. so much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, mine was mine was exactly the same. But it continues even today though. You know, I still mm-hmm. go once a week whether I need it or not, just because mm-hmm. it's awesome healthy it's healthy yeah Yeah, I love it (laughs) I think we all I do think you know I think it's obviously much better like you said now than it was when you were a child but um I think counseling is such a you know we think about doing exercise for prevention and eating for prevention but counseling can be preventative too it can be just sort of a healthy way to process the things that are going on in your life and um having space you know Mm -hmm. oh mental health is huge Mm-hmm. should be um, severely underrated. Yeah. yeah. So what were some of the things that you started working on with your counselor? I think her name was Jamie. Um, yeah. That, that really started to help make a difference where you were, where you were starting to see, Oh, wow, this is, this is helping me heal. This is moving me in a positive direction. Um, well, we started out with, um, golly, how did it start? So we started out with like, um, everything that I thought of myself, you know, I had Mm -hmm. all these really colorful words to describe myself, you know, like (laughs) I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And, um, kind of the first part was figuring out where those came from. Like, Mm -hmm. why, why are you calling yourself fat and terrible and horrible and lazy Mm -hmm. and, um, not realizing that the dialogue that, you know, I'm having in my head, is what I'm teaching myself my whole life. Mm-hmm. And um, we kind of started, I mean, her method, um, I, I mean, I, and I don't know how all therapists do it, but she had um, this method that she called the onion method. And mm. it's, it's really, we didn't really start like at childhood and then work our way all the way forward necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, we were basically peeling back you know, as the issues would surface, we would have to rewind mm-hmm. and then work mm-hmm. through it. And then, and then you work through more and more and you get deeper and deeper and it just kind of sparks all these, um, you know, areas for work. And she had mm-hmm. a ton of homework for me, um, <laughs> over the years, you know, I'd have to work on, um, you know, how, I, how I spoke to myself, I'd have to work through, um, where all these feelings came from. Why was I angry? Why was I pissed? Why was I embarrassed? Why was I just all of the things that were creating this perpetual weight problem? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You talk about how, you know, through that you learned how weight had become a way for you to deal with some of these emotions you were carrying around, like you just said, like mm-hmm. fear or shame. And part of your process was learning how to feel and express those emotions. And you talked about also discovering your inner child and starting to do activities just to bring out the inner child and connect with who you were. Um, can you talk about what that process is like? Cause I can definitely re- relate myself in going through this period more recently in my life of realizing I had numbed a lot of emotions and starting to really feel them again. And I can relate to that, that connection to your inner child and how uh, powerful that can be. 
Mm-hmm. So I think like for me, um, there was just a lot of stuff that I never did as a kid. Um, like all those things that you do when you're a kid, you, you ride bikes, you go visit friends, you color Easter eggs at Easter, just every single kid thing that little Mm -hmm. kids do. Um, I never did. So, you know, here I am in my thirties, um, you know, coloring eggs for the first time and playing with Play-Doh and, um, just doing all the, all the things that little kids do. Um, and for me, it was kind of more of a way to, um, I think there was a lot of resentment and to fill that resentment bucket. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the only way to fill that bucket is to go and do all the things that you are upset that you didn't Mm -hmm. get to do or all Mm -hmm. these things that you feel like you're missing out on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did a lot of crazy stuff um, <laughs> and it was fun, you know, just, yeah. to, just to do fun stuff. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. I had fun listening to you um, talk about it when I was reading the book. <laughs> <laughs> we should all do more, you know, we should all do more of that. I think like it's fun to be a kid, you know, when you're a kid, you're so un- in- in- un- <laughs> I can't talk, you're so uninhibited um and you just do things that are fun and as adults mm-hmm. we think we have to fit in all these boxes and just do things that we're supposed to do instead of the things yeah. that we really enjoy that's true um i know one of the other things that you started to incorporate was really being mindful about how you spent your time in the mornings can you talk about what kind of things you started to incorporate and then how that evolved over the years for you mm-hmm. um so yeah so part of um Part of therapy was um, making time. So um, I had to get past this idea that I didn't have time for things. Mm -hmm. And so I had to be really conscious about making time and um, working on an intentional schedule. Um, So it kind of, so for instance, it, it started off, as um like just goofy habits in the morning like mm-hmm. um i would take time to read i would take time for like 5 minutes for uh like uh, intentional thinking or mm-hmm. um and then i would talk to god and mm-hmm. i would just make time to do these little things and the idea was um the more you do something it could, um the more you do something and the more it becomes ingrained, it, be, it will become something that you don't have to think about anymore. Mm-hmm. So as we moved kind of from therapy, the mental part of it to trying to figure out how to deal with um, the weight side of it, it all comes down to what you're, what you're doing every day, the mm-hmm. habits and things that you're doing every day. So that was kind of how I learned um, habit building was just doing stupid things every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, probably uh, not stupid. They were probably yeah. really Yeah. Like um, some of them were silly, you know, some of them were, um, you know, doodling in a doodle book. Some of them were, um, some of the early ones were just, it didn't really matter what it was as long as you were doing it every single day. Mm-hmm. And some of them mm-hmm. were pretty silly, but it worked. Mm-hmm. What about, I know you had mentioned also doing affirmations. What impact mm-hmm. did that have on you? Um, 
you know, I, I thought they were silly when I started them, you know, like I didn't think they were actually going to work. You know, I stand in front of a mirror and be like, Athena, you're beautiful. And to me, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I first started that, you know, I was like, this is the, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. It's not going to work. Like, I feel like this is total bull crap, you know? Uh-huh. And, and again, when you do it 300 times, 600 times, um, you do start to believe it. You, you mm-hmm. do start to, it comes off your tongue easier and you're like, you know what? You are awesome. Mm-hmm. But that took a long time. Mm-hmm. It took a long time. But that daily habit, that repetition. Yeah, it's just the repetition. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your mornings or what do your mornings look like now? Um, honestly, not too far away from what you read. Uh, mm-hmm. I train at um, 5 a.m., so oh, you're usually, an early. Yeah, early yeah. <laughs> the 5 a.m. group of All crazies. Right. <laughs> um, so I get up, um, play with my dogs for a little bit, and then um, I'm training. And then, um, you know, I get out and I talk to God and I tell him, hey, you like, here's what's on my grid today. Mm-hmm. Might need a little help here and here. You know? mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Um, and then just kind of, I do what's called, um, like MITs. They're like my most important tasks. So I really try not to bog myself down with like huge, huge lists. Like I used to, because the longer they are, the more overwhelmed I get and more Mm -hmm. anxious I get. And, um, you know, I've learned that, you know, one of the things to, to good health is to try and eliminate as much stress as you can. So those Mm -hmm. long lists I found weren't helpful. So I just, you know, so I just set like the three, what, like, what are the three, like what three main big things do you want to do today? And as long as Mm -hmm. I got those three done, then nothing else mattered. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I eat breakfast. So I try to eat breakfast within like an hour of working out and try to make Mm -hmm. sure I started off right. And that's great. Yeah, I've noticed a big difference myself with implementing more just prayer time and meditation um, mm-hmm. in the mornings. And when, you know, when I go a few days or a week where I cut it short, I notice a difference big time. Yeah. Um, it's just like you said, you have to sort of protect that time or schedule, um, schedule these things and prioritize and stop telling yourself that you don't have enough time um, mm-hmm. for the things that are most important. Mm-hmm. You do, right? Like, yeah. Before I, um, before I started time blocking, like I was like, I don't have time. I don't have time. I'm going to run out of time. And then I realized like, you have a lot of time all day. <laughs> you have, you have a ton of time. Always, I, you know, when I first started working out, I was just to say, I didn't have time to work out. And then I realized, crap, I have way more time than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's all how you want to spend it, I guess. So true. Um, okay. So you did a lot of work with your therapist. You said, mm-hmm. then you started moving into this, you know, folks focusing more on the weight and you eventually, you know, you described in your book, reaching this really, really low point where you were facing almost the point of scheduling bariatric surgery. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk about kind of that particular time? And then you know, what happened then that made you decide, no, I'm not going to go forward with this. Mm-hmm. So 
part of it is I had, I, I had, I have met people along the way that had gotten the surgery and um, I never, there was a couple where it worked good. And, um, but there were more that didn't than did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had met friends along the way that said that if they, you know, could go back and, and do that decision over again, would it have been the same? And they would have said, no. Um, I, I mean, I thought that I got into like the, the bottom of the bucket, you know, when I got the referral for a bariatric surgery, I thought that was like the world telling me like, mm. you're not capable. Um, this is the end of the road. So if you don't get this, you're going to die. Mm. Wow. And I think um, it's a hard, like, it's hard to get that referral. Mm-hmm. And especially from a doctor, you know, like you trust mm-hmm. them, they're a doctor. So when they're giving you that referral, you're like, okay, that's mm-hmm. it. Um, I can't do it on my own. Yeah. I think that that's so important. And I don't know if I've thought about that perspective before of, of that message that that sends just by recommending it. Um, saying, you know, I don't think you're capable of doing this on your own. That's a sort of a subtle way, maybe not a subtle way, maybe a very loud way of, of that message, which is yeah, really damaging to sort of your own confidence or belief in yourself. I think that's how I took it. Like, um, like that was it. Mm-hmm. You get to a point where somebody's saying, Hey, you need surgery. Then you're not capable of, again, you know, it's kind of like that second thing. Not mm-hmm. only did I have to go get help for therapy, but now they're saying, Hey, you, you need to go get your stomach, (laughs) Mm. you know, cut open or, or you're not going to be able to get this under control. So it was devastating. Um, I went through the whole thing at that time. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. I, um, I wasn't mobile at all. Um, like walking, um, like walking to the kitchen was, uh, a ginormous task. Taking a shower was exhausting. Um, I didn't really go anywhere. Um, I had friends do my grocery shopping for me. You know, I might've left my house once a week. I didn't do anything. I stayed here and quality of life was, was horrible. Um, I wasn't breathing. I was on a, uh, I had to get put on like a, like a CPAP machine. Mm -hmm. So I was on that. Yeah. I was on, um, two different kinds of thyroid medication. I was on, um, hydrocodones and, you know, I was popping four or five of those a day just to manage the, you know, the, the pain and the legs and the joints and it was miserable. Uh, and you wrote about uh, a Christmas. I think this yeah. was around the same time um, yeah. where you, you couldn't go to travel to be with your family. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Um, well, gosh, like it was the first holiday that I had spent, you know, by myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I could have fit like in a first class seat. I don't think that was my problem or I could have bought in two seats. 
Um, but I couldn't figure out how I was going to get from my car mm-hmm. and down to the gate. Because, mm. like, I mean, if you think about it, right, that's a long that's a way. Long walk, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, if you're if you're struggling to get to the kitchen, that's yeah. a long walk. Yeah, like I couldn't. That's I couldn't get past that. I mm-hmm. thought I was going to die before I got to the plane. So, um, so yeah, I was stuck at home and I thought about, um, like it just, that surgery date for, for surgery was just barreling down on me. Like it's happening. That was mm-hmm. first, it was like a month away and then it was three weeks away. Mm-hmm. And then Christmas is kind of like when it hit. And I, I don't know, like, I, I don't think I had spent enough time really looking at one, what I was risking by having Mm -hmm. it done, um, the complications that can happen, just there's having that surgery is no joke. And it, it changes you. It changes you biologically forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I just hadn't spent enough time. Like, like Athena, is this really what you want to do? You know, Mm -hmm. it's a big decision. Yeah, it was really big. And, um, I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos and watching all these people and all their horror stories. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't do it. I just can't. Mm-hmm. And then maybe there was a part of me that was pissed, right? Because <laughs> I was like, you know, these doctors are saying, well, you know, you need this or you're not going to, you're not going to live. And a part of me was like mad. Right. And I was like, like I just want to prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So I think it was shortly after that, that you then heard God speaking to you and showing you what could be in your future. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Uh, it was crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I spent just hours on my couch watching these goofy videos. And um, I just, I just broke down Um, probably like it was, it was one of the roughest nights that I remember in my life. I had just gotten to the point, like, I just wanted to die. I just wanted it to just be over, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, you know, I had gone back to church and I'm a woman of faith and, and I'm like, God, I, you know, I, I didn't, there was nowhere else for me to go. Like, and mm-hmm. I was pissed off at God. And, and I was like, I, you know, I was thinking about my life and I'm like, I can't believe that you would put me through all of this. Like why? Mm-hmm. And then here I am struggling with my weight, you know? And at, at the time I was like, you know, now I'm having to fix something that didn't even start off as my fault, you know, but here I am. Mm-hmm. I was just mad mm-hmm. and mad that I had to deal with all this, shit, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I felt like it went on for hours and I woke up and, um, or I had a dream that night and it, it was, <sighs> I saw this gym started mm-hmm. off with like little silly things, you know, like there was this guy and then there was this gym and, and I didn't really recognize like the type of gym because, you know, it wasn't like the typical gym. It was, mm-hmm. it didn't have any equipment. It didn't have any. So I was trying to figure that out. And, mm-hmm. um, 
And then it just kept going on. So from Christmas into New Year's, I was having these dreams every single night and they just kept getting bigger and they had all the same things, but you know, like the following night it would add something else. And then the following night it would add something else. It just kept picking up where it left off basically. Mm -hmm. And then by the seventh night, this was going into New Year's. I was like, okay, I felt like I hear you. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I feel like you're trying to tell me something and I don't know exactly (laughs) what it is you're trying to tell me, but I hear you. And then um, I felt like it was just the greatest blessing. I looked at it like a miracle. It was the greatest blessing Mm -hmm. I could ever ask for because I felt like I woke up on that seventh day and like I knew what I needed to do. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know. It was a, this now is a life that I could not have imagined on my own. And I didn't know what all that was going to look like, but I could, I could see it. I could feel it. So that's just the direction that I had mm-hmm. headed. It's amazing. So what were the, the first changes that you started to make after that? Um, Food, like my nutrition was the very first thing that I changed and call it God inspired, call it whatever you want. But it was essentially getting rid of everything that wasn't meats, veggies, mm-hmm. nuts, seeds. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was essentially, you know, the poster on my wall with maybe the exception <laughs> of beans and eggs, but it was pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wasn't concerned about you know, calories and getting crazy. All I was told to focus on was just eating these things. Mm -hmm. That's all I had to do. Mm -hmm. And that's all I did do. And, um, we were down pretty considerably after one month of just, just changing the food. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I didn't start exercise right away just because I couldn't. I thought, Mm -hmm. well, if I got a little weight off and I could start moving around a little bit better, then we'll attack that front. Mm -hmm. So it was like a month, month and a half later, I had reached out to this person that I kept seeing in my dreams Mm -hmm. and um, reached out and he kept getting tagged. Like it was, um, you know, like a typical Instagram, Facebook account and yeah. their, their box tags them like, here's uh-huh. our law today and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I had reached out to the coach that he used and I'm like, I don't know why, but this is where I'm supposed to go. <laughs> and so I reached out to him and, um, I didn't have any like crazy lofty goals. It wasn't like I, picked up the phone and I was like, Hey, so I was thinking about doing CrossFit. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. Like it was literally like the furthest thing from my mind. Um, I, I thought when I started working with him that I was, all I wanted to do was just walk. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be able to, to walk around in a store, to walk down to my mailbox. I wanted to be able to do these simple things without Mm -hmm. my canes. And so that was the only goal that I had when I started. Um, and it was one-on-one. It just happened to be in a CrossFit gym. Okay. And, uh, you know, as they say, you set foot in a CrossFit gym, things happen. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hardest part. You just have to set foot and the rest is history. The rest is history. And people would see me, I'd come in and they're like, Hey, Athena. It was after two weeks. They were like, you, you need to join a boot camp class. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm never like, <laughs> you guys see me? I'm walking around on these canes. Like I can't do all that stuff that you're doing. And they're like, it's okay. You can, you can modify, you can scale. And of course I didn't know mm-hmm. what those words meant, but I was like, <laughs> all right. And then um, I tried my first boot camp class two weeks, three weeks later, finally gave in and said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And um, the rest is history. That's how it started. That's amazing. And then I just went from That's there. Amazing. What, um, what has it been like for you to be part of a community? I know I've heard you say before, like just even embracing the word athlete for yourself yeah. was yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, let's, yeah, let's talk about both, right? Community, <laughs> um, community was um, something I had never had. I never had whatever that was. I didn't have a group of people that I could count on or that would text me and say, where are you today? Why aren't Mm -hmm. you here? You know, I just didn't have that kind of support system. It was brand new, never had it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I honestly think that that was kind of part of the secret recipe for me was just the community aspect just mm-hmm. having f- friends, just people that I saw every day, people that um, were holding me accountable and people that missed me if I wasn't there. Like, hey, where are you? Mm-hmm. Okay, I had to do the workout by myself this morning. You know, it was stuff like that. <laughs> and um, it was just, it was really special for me because it was something that I, 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 I lacked that component of it. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, yeah, you know, you, you get in and you start learning about CrossFit and you start going all in, right? Pretty soon, pretty soon I had, yeah, yeah. Pretty soon I had my headband, I had my nanos and I had, you know, I had lifters and, you know, pretty soon I had all these little things that was like, yeah, I'm a CrossFitter. And yeah. And, uh, we were doing this in-house competition And, Uh um, you know, they were giving out, dispersing the t-shirts and and whatnot. And I remember when I got mine, I, you know, I'm I'm looking at it like this and I gave it back to the owner and, and I was like, you gotta be me. I'm not putting this on. (laughs) And it was, it was basically just a a t-shirt that said athlete on it is all Uh, it was. Yeah. And I had a really, really hard time with that word because it, it felt, uh, it, it felt fake. It Mm. felt like I, I was not an athlete, you know, here I am, you know, there's still a couple hundred pounds to lose. Who am I kidding? You know, I don't want to wear that shirt. People are going to laugh and it's going to be embarrassing and I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. And it took, it took months and months, um, for me to see myself that way mm-hmm. um, because that's how we refer to all of us in CrossFit. We are all athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, we are just, and we just happen to be athletes that all have different needs, different capabilities, but um, it took a long time. 
to be mm-hmm. okay with that. And then of course, now, of course I embrace it. Like, yeah. yeah. Now, mm-hmm. what does it feel like now when you hear that or you say it? Um, it feels weird that I ever had a problem with it. <laughs> like why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, why did you ever have a problem with that word? But uh-huh. I, I get where it comes from. You know, I didn't, when I thought of athlete, I would think of like Olympians, like, and uh, all of the, all of the people in my CrossFit box, they were athletes, mm-hmm. not me. But now you are. <laughs> and now we are. Yeah. So, you know, you obviously have lost a lot of weight since yeah. you've made these changes. Um, but I'd love to hear to you about the other improvements that you've noticed in your health, whether it's how you feel, the, the things you're able to do, any uh, medications or chronic diseases that you've noticed improvements in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I call myself a beautiful work in progress, right? <laughs> we, <laughs> we all are. We, we all are. <laughs> you know, the first two, you know, the first 200 came off relatively easy in the grand scheme of things. It's this last 110 that has been the nightmare of my life. Um, but um, it's definitely not just, it's not just about weight. It's all the things that you gain because of good health, right? All the, all the awesome, amazing, wonderful side effects. Um, so after uh, a year, um, I got off my CPAP after a year. Mm. Um, the thyroid medications were gone um, wow. after that first year. Wow. Um, and I think it's just, it's more than that though. It's, um, it's capacity. It's being able to go upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. I still get winded when I, when I, when I <laughs> we do all stuff. do. You know, like, <laughs> I, I do too. I went up two flights of stairs today and I got winded. <laughs> um, I think it's just what, what else I can do. You know, I went mm-hmm. from getting 1200 steps on my Fitbit to averaging, you know, say nine to 12,000 on any given day, that's 10 times the amount of mm-hmm. activity. So it's little things like that. Just being able to go places, being able to walk in a, in a grocery store and not have to ride around in one of those little carts. It just, it's mm-hmm. the little things that just snowball. Mm-hmm. not being well, afraid to, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, in the other they, direction. yeah exactly <laughs> they're just going in in a different way but yeah that's how it happens what accomplishments are you most proud of in the gym um I think for me it was just allowing myself um like believing that this was something that I could do and actually Mm -hmm. making it work and making it a part of my life is something Mm -hmm. that I am immensely proud of, you know, this is five five in the morning, nonetheless. (laughs) Yeah. Like (laughs) uh, that I go out at Uh 5am pretty much highlight the highlight of my life. Um, (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) um, Just incorporating um, not just, not just working out, not just CrossFit, but um, actually learning how to apply these things and making it a part of every day. You know, it's kind of like 
um, you know, you change your life, you change your habits, you know, you, you might be working on like for me, right. This, this weight that I still carry around, there's consequences to, to bad behavior for a really long time. It's not going to be something that you, um, you know, get off in a week or a month. It, it can take time, but, um, I couldn't, I couldn't see this not being a part of my life anymore. And, and, the, and the really cool thing that happens because of it is it starts trickling into other parts of your life. Like my mom, mm -hmm. right. Four years. And she finally is trying CrossFit, oh, and, that's you know, cute. to, to see her now mm -hmm. get on the bike or to watch her learn her first burpee and all those things that, uh, were like first for me that would make me uh -huh. cry now is oh. I'm seeing her as her coach. And, um, that's a, that's a cool thing. That's super cool. It's nothing that's that when they're, when they're your mom and your dad, you know, your parents, yeah. your family, um, you know, my brother has now started CrossFit and he's improved his life since um, March is when he started and he's down almost 40 pounds. And it's just amazing yeah. um, that it's starting to, it's starting to snowball out there all and, around you. Yeah. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah. The impact that you have. Wow. And I know you're also really passionate about helping educate trainers and helping educate others about how to be better coaches for larger athletes. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? And some of the things that, you know, someone who hasn't been in a larger body might not be thinking about as they're training. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And again, you're like, um, I'm, I'm not even sure how this started. It's just kind of evolved <laughs> that way. You know, like, yeah, uh, I think it was, um, uh, you know, I went through a lot of stuff, um, of my own and I, I think my eyes were, were definitely opened, um, when I came back to CrossFit, cause I had to take a, a year kind of hiatus while I had double knee replacements. Mm. And so when I came back, um, it was the little things. It was walking back into a box and not having someone understand how to work with me, not only because mm -hmm. I was bigger, but because here I have these conditions and, um, I just didn't have that support. Mm -hmm. And when I thought back kind of on my CrossFit journey, there was a lot of times. And of course the community by this time was sharing stories with me. Right. And um, it, it became a thing where I felt like this needs to get more attention. And it, and the reason why I think it, it can become a problem is because, you know, you have a lot of coaches and it's not their fault. That's the problem. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, you don't know what you don't know, right? If you've never lived in a bigger body, you don't know um, some of the challenges that larger athletes have. Mm -hmm. um, and again, no fault of the coach, but I think that they, if they had exposure to what those challenges are, that it might change how they're coaching that person. So like, say for instance, mm -hmm. um, um, on larger athletes, especially when you have like skin fold, Mm -hmm. Skin fold, meaning like you have overlap on your belly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are a lot of movements that larger athletes with that belly overhang are not going to want to do. Mm -hmm. It's not because they can't. 
it's going to be because this is probably going to be super, super embarrassing Mm -hmm. and they're not going to want to do it because of that. Mm -hmm. So if the coach knew that every time they put so-and-so on a rope, that that Mm -hmm. person was going to freak out and it was going to put them in an embarrassing, compromising situation, because Mm -hmm. what they were trying to avoid was the entire class hearing that Mm -hmm. belly flap when you're doing Mm -hmm. the jump rope. So it's things like that, where I feel like this is what's going to drive somebody out the door and not come back. Mm -hmm. They're going to get put on a box that's too high, or they're going to get put on a rope way too soon. And Mm -hmm. these are things that that athlete is not going to tell you, you know, like, right. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I, I, um, there are a lot of boxes out there that I've talked to that have fostered these types of cultures where that athlete mm-hmm. can go talk to their coaches and their box owners about anything. And I think, mm-hmm. man, I've seen quite a few of them and they're amazing. Yeah. Um, but not everybody has that luxury. Mm-hmm. So the goal was how can I bridge some of these? Because I'm not afraid to talk about it. I'm not afraid to get on a rope in front of six other coaches and demonstrate mm-hmm. what that is so mm-hmm. that they can understand. Mm-hmm what I'm talking about so that, right. Mm -hmm. So they can take that back and just be more mindful. It's not, Mm -hmm. we're not saying, Oh, um, you know, CrossFit isn't the most, um, you know, inclusive community or methodology in the world. I do believe that it is. What Mm -hmm. I'm saying is these bodies are a little different. So if Mm -hmm. you have visibility on some of these things, um, one, the people aren't going to leave, they're not going to get embarrassed and they will stay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just, um, it's just making it a better experience. How can, how can we make a better experience for that so that we don't have to have bad experiences that way? Absolutely. I think, and I think that's true for all types, whether it's larger bodies or whether it's, um, anybody, right. Who have, yeah. yeah. Who've undergone, who've just undergone chemotherapy and there's, you know, things that you wouldn't know unless you've been through that yourself mm-hmm. or, um, you know, a whole variety of situations. And that's what, like you said, I do also agree. I think CrossFit's the most inclusive fitness methodology out there, but we can always be better. And that's what makes us inclusive is we always want to learn and always try to be better so we can be more empathetic so that we can try to understand what our athletes are going through and and make sure that we are a place where people want to be and are not feeling um, afraid or embarrassed or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, I want to start wrapping up with three questions I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. Okay. Uh, the first one is what are the three things that you do now that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Oh, wow. Um, so something that I started doing like maybe two years ago was um, just drinking more water. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize like how um, how horribly that affected, like not just my health, but my skin, my, um, so I do this little game every day where I put like this bucket of water on the the counter. I fill it full of fruit. It starts infusing in the morning. And then, um, you know, when I know I get down to the bottom of the, the, the little jar, then I got all my water for the day. So that has been huge, (laughs) um, sleep, Mm -hmm. Um, just learning to go to bed on time was a Mm -hmm. huge thing for me and not just like going to bed on time, but like being very, uh, being very, um, disciplined about it. 
Mm-hmm. And not realizing the impacts of not getting enough sleep and what that does to your mind, what it does to your body, training, everything. all of it. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. And then, um, I don't know, let's see, maybe a third thing. Well, moving. Mm-hmm. Um, CrossFit. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> That's great. That's great. What's one thing that you think would have an impact, but you have a hard time implementing it or something you're working on now? Um, well, actually this is something that my coach tells me all the time. Um, he's always reminding me to make sure that I'm incorporating non CrossFit activity into my life. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with being, um, a balanced athlete. So like, he's the one that's constantly encouraging me to like, get out on my bike and go for hikes and go for walks. And there's all kinds of things as CrossFitters, we don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be a CrossFit workout every time that we get out there. You know, there's right. a, there's a big world out there and there's tons and tons of activities that we can supplement, um, that I think would be super beneficial for me if I took more time to do them. Totally. Yeah. What do you want to use your fitness for? That's the question. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is hard, right? Like you said, time is limited and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we like being in the gym too with our people and our community. So. <laughs> <laughs> What is, last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> um, what does a healthy life look like for me? Um, you know, I've struggled with that because defining healthy has always been a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. What, what does healthy mean? Well, I think healthy is different for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, healthy for me is, was, it was never a size. It was never a, um, some magic number on the scale. For me, it was being able to do all the activities that I want to be able to do. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to get tired and have to take a nap by three or four in the afternoon. I want to be able to, you know, go to the fair and walk the 10, 10 miles that you're going to walk that day mm-hmm. and not have my feet hurt. You know, mm-hmm. health for me means that I'm not in pain. Um, mm-hmm. So whatever, whatever size that was and whatever that number was on the scale, I was going to be okay with that as long as that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. You know, that I could wake up in the morning and be like, yeah, like, I feel awesome. I feel great. And that it it never had to be anything other than that for me. Am I there yet? No, not yet. It's a constant work in progress. A beautiful (laughs) work in progress. It is a beautiful work in progress. And you are well on your way. Um, You've done so much hard work and it's incredible to just hear your story and see that hard work paying off and just see it, like you said, in your smile. And when you, you know, tell yourself the affirmation of, yes, I am pretty (laughs) awesome. I'm pretty amazing. Smile on your face. It's, it's really cool to see. So thank you so much for, you know, having the courage and doing, making the hard decisions, doing the things that you did to get here and then sharing all that story with us, the hard parts and the awesome part. Oh, wow. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Athena. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you or someone you know has a story to share on a future episode of Pursuing Health, please write me at info at pursuing-health.com. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please also consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.